I'm DeWitt Bingham. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show, where we discuss all things social and criminal justice related, from the front end to the back end, and everything in between. You have a right to remain silent, because anything you say can and will be held against you. You have a right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be appointed for you. You're in the self-incrimination protection zone, where there is no cruel and unusual punishment. No illegal search and seizure. The exclusionary rule has you covered. So sit back, relax, and become sold on this week's episode. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show. I'm DeWitt Bingham, your host. Thank you for tuning in to the show that discusses all things social justice and criminal justice, where the goals are to inform you, the American citizen, of your constitutional rights, to provide educational and occupational guidance to high school and college students, and to be a voice for change. We continue the social justice and criminal justice series featuring my introduction to criminal justice students, giving emerging adults a voice. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to some and present to others. One more of my wonderful young students, the wise and prudent Miss Anna Bookberger. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Anna. Hi. All right. The good thing about having the podcast as part of the course is I get to check in with you wonderful people and ask how class is going. And so how is this class going for you? I think it's been going like pretty well. I've learned a lot. I've been able to stay on top of my schoolwork, which I feel like a couple other classes I've had issues with. You like teach us well, but also don't give us too much homework or anything. So okay. it's been a good class. Okay. We as professors, we like to make sure that we are having a presence and making sure, make sure that we are making ourselves available as much as possible. So do you feel like you have had easy access to me? Yeah, every time I've like emailed you, you've emailed back pretty quick. And I think you've been like, I don't know. I think you've helped me keep doing stuff because you're just very like good, like good job, like all the time. Like, yeah. (laughs) Okay, awesome. All right. This is the end of the 13th week and you've had 10 homework assignments and three tests. And you are doing wonderful. Segment one. Segment one is for the educational and occupational guidance of high school and college students. We accomplished this by having our guests introduce themselves. So if you would, tell the audience where you were born and raised, what high school you attended, what your major is or your planned major, why you enrolled in the class, and give us one career goal. Okay, so I was born and raised here in Bloomington, Normal, Illinois, for my whole life. And for all four years of high school, I went to Normal West Community High School. And I'm planning on majoring in psychology, although I do want to incorporate some law into my studies. My dream job would be forensic psychology. Um, I've always loved law and criminal justice, so that's why I wanted to join this class. And I used to want to be a lawyer. But I gave up on that because that's a lot of schooling and money, and it's a very big commitment. So um, my career goal is just to do something like a psychology job where I could help someone. I just want to, like, make a difference in the world. 
Awesome, Anna. It does cost a lot. I think we were talking about that on one episode to become a practicing attorney. Very good. All right. You made the transition from high school to college. Is there one piece of advice that you would like to give to our high school audience or those who have not started college yet and anticipating being a college student? Um, I just think you should know the workload that you're taking on. Like if you're working um, while you're also in college, it's hard to do um, certain amount of classes. You just have to know what you're going for and prepare for that. And I think procrastinating is very much like harder to do in college um, because your teachers are not as lenient. Although some teachers may be nice about it. You know, you have to stay on track. Awesome. All right. Segment two, constitutional rights. The theme of our course textbook is individual rights versus public safety. We sometimes are required to give up our individual rights for the safety of the American people, i.e. 9-11 and the insurrection, where the courts are ordering insurrectionists to turn over their emails and phone records. We all have individual rights that the system must respect. That said, what is your favorite constitutional right? I think my favorite would probably be the Sixth Amendment, which I feel like isn't one of the most popular, but I feel like everyone needs to have um, the right to an attorney because I don't think it's fair that some people can afford such a good attorney that can turn a case like different ways than just even like a coin, like a court appointed one would um, because they're a lot better and it's harder to afford them. So I just think um, people have a lot harder chance having an equal trial with that. But I feel that having at least an attorney rather than none is better than, you know. Absolutely. That is a very important right that we have because anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. And so if you can't afford an attorney, I think that is one of the good things that the American criminal justice system affords us the opportunity to be represented by someone who has studied the law and knows the ins and outs thereof. All right. Very good. Before we move on to segment three, this week, your assignment is focused on community corrections. You've learned the difference between probation and parole, general and specific conditions of the two, that John Augustus is the founder of probation. Thank God for John Augustus, because as a, <laughs> as a result of Uh, Being the founder of probation, I've had a 35-year career. You learned Griffin versus Wisconsin, Minnesota versus Murphy, and more. What I want our audience to know is most of the offenders in the criminal justice system reside in the community on probation or parole. Probation officers enforce the court's orders, and parole officers enforce the parole board terms and conditions. My question to you, Anna, is, If you were a parole or probation officer, what kind of officer would you be? I feel like it depends on what they did, but obviously you have to be pretty strict with that stuff. Um, Although I would want to be like not exactly a friend. I'd want to be someone that they could talk to and like lean on. But I'd also want to have to be strict with them because it is the law and it's other people's safety at hands a lot of the time. So I think it's a very necessary and good job to have. It is a job, so you have to be very serious about it. Awesome. Excellent. In the end, probation and parole officers are both enforcers, as you just mentioned, and they are brokers. 
And so they must enforce the rules, as you, as you just pointed out, by the court and by the parole board, but are mandated by law to help rehabilitate the offender as well. You don't just lock someone up and throw away the key. You lend a helping hand, just like you were saying. Dustin Thompson, a 38-year-old Ohio man, was just found guilty of obstruction of Congress, the most serious of six charges. He could get a maximum of 20 years in prison. This is somebody that was involved in the insurrection, and he actually was trying to blame the president of the United States. What do you think he should get as a sentence? I have not really heard anything about that, to be honest. So if you would like to elaborate. Okay, so do you think that the right thing for those who stormed the Congress and Capitol Hill to be arrested? Do you think that they violated the law? Yeah, very much so. Okay, so a judge is the individual that has the responsibility of determining how serious the incident is or the offense is and based on their criminal background, based on their aggravating and mitigating factors to determine what type of sentence to give that individual. And so he could face up to a maximum of 20 years. In your opinion, you actually observed or at least you saw some highlights on the news of that insurrection. I, I can recall my daughter who graduated from college in 2017 and is now a juvenile probation, uh, juvenile detention officer. She said to me, Dad, are you watching this? She actually said, if they were African-American, they would have been graveyard dead. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just want to hear what you think, Anna, would be an appropriate sentence for somebody like that, in your opinion. I do believe what they're thinking about is a pretty good sentence. Um, 20 years can seem like a lot, but I feel like there was a lot of stupidity with what they did. And the only reason they got away with it more so was because they were like supporting, I guess, the president, which is not really what it was. Um, you know, like, I don't know. That's just not the right way to go about things at all. It was very like childish of them to go and do that and try and fight for things that way. That's a very like special building. And I think that was just very disrespectful of them to do. And they caused a lot of issues while doing that as well. So I do think it's a pretty good sentence. Awesome, Anna. And do you think that the president is culpable? Because as you very well probably have seen in the news, Congress is considering whether or not to bring the former president before them to testify. But I, what I want to know from you is that do you think that he has played a part in this? Because a lot of the people who actually are going before the judge, they are actually claiming that they they viewed it as an order from their president. And yeah. as a result of that, they actually stormed the Capitol, although the law does not allow in a particular uh, trial for them to use that as a defense. I'm wondering if you think that he should actually be brought up on charges. I mean, I understand that you don't, neither one of us are lawyers. We're going to, we're going to admit that, right? We're, we're going to admit that we're not attorneys. All right. But yeah. uh, uh, in your opinion, do you think that the president was culpable? 
I think so, for sure, a little bit. He was, I don't know. He didn't exactly make the orders, but he didn't not either. Like, it was kind of a gray area, I feel like. And people could have taken what he said a lot of different ways, which is, I feel like he was not speaking well most of the time he was a president. He didn't really think things through and make sure that they couldn't be read in two different ways. And um, the people that followed him like that would do anything that he said or anything that, like, they thought he said. You know what I mean? So... It was definitely part of his issue. Very good, because I'm of the persuasion. I don't know about you, Anna, but I don't care from the owl house to the white house. You just ain't going to be able to say anything and get me to go along with it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you mentioned that you have an interest in psychology. Well, mob mentality and group thinking is very real. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's what I think that's what a lot of the, the Defendants that are coming before the court uh, and, and just to mind our, remind our audience, this is federal case. They're arguing that they were a part and doing what the president actually had ordered them to do. Standing up for a false claim is what they were actually doing. Yeah. Judge Reggie Walton described Thompson's testimony as totally disingenuous and his conduct reprehensible. He also said, I think our democracy is in trouble and said people like President Trump don't care about democracy, only about power. This is the judge at at, at the federal judge that handled this particular case. And as a result, it's tearing our country apart, he said. He called Thompson, the defendant, he called him a flight risk and a danger to the public and detained him without the prosecution even asked for him to be detained. And so what happens in court is that once the person is actually adjudicated or found guilty, then the court has to consider if they are a flight risk or a risk or danger to society. And even though the prosecutor who normally makes that recommendation did not make the recommendation and the judge on his own viewed him to be a danger to the public. What's your thoughts on that? I do agree. <laughs> yeah. And and that tells me that this judge, he wasn't playing. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Moving on. Segment three, being a voice for change as an emerging adult being educated in a predominantly white America. What say Anna about white supremacy and Black Lives Matter? I do think there is issues like all around us and throughout the country with white supremacy. Um, White supremacy is a lot more common um, than most people like to believe. And the issues that come from it are pretty extreme. Um, They can be seen throughout like everything. It's still the reason that everyone is not equal, because as long as there is white supremacy, people are going to not see everyone else as equals, which should not be the case. I also think that this is how most white middle-aged men get into government positions, which include law enforcement. And that makes it harder for everyone else because it's different perspectives. And if those people are going to be in power all the time, then they're just going to be doing what's best for them. And I think there needs to be a lot more diversity in um, those like ranking positions, because that's going to be like how the government is controlled and seen. I think that the Black Lives Matter movement is still important and necessary because it's not getting through to enough people. I don't know. There's a lot of people that say like all lives matter, which, yes, I agree. But 
that's not the point of it. It's because black people have been put down for forever. You know what I mean? And the point is to fight for those people to be seen instead of it to be about everyone because everyone is not equal at the time. Awesome, Anna. Very good. I asked all my guests, what would you like to see the Biden administration accomplish? I don't know if this is very popular, but I do agree that um, defunding the police should be something that he should focus on. I don't completely defunding like completely or anything, but I do believe that um, reallocating some of the money they get to other people would be a great way to um, have less issues come along, especially with like mental health checks and things like that. I don't know why like police would be doing that type of job because they are mostly coming for danger and violence and like people breaking the law and stuff. And people who have mental health issues or who have mental health illnesses, they aren't really going to respond well to that. That's more um, people coming at you instead of people coming to help you, which I feel like is one of the big issues as well. And um, yeah. Awesome. Excellent. And with you actually having an interest in uh, psychology, I'm sure this is something that you have actually thought about. Yeah. Dealing with individuals who have mental illness has to be treated different. We can't just lock them up and throw away the key. Yeah, it's not the training at all. (laughs) Very good. All right. Voter suppression. Is there a correlation between voting and the criminal justice system? In other words, when we cast our vote, is it possible that that vote can actually help transform or make the criminal justice system better? Because you mentioned policing. Yeah, 100 percent. I believe that because um, we are voting who gets to be put into those positions. And as I was saying earlier, with like white supremacy and um, mostly like middle aged white men um, running the government, I think that our votes matter the most to see who we want to be in office or who we want to see be in Congress or, you know, making the laws, like enforcing the laws, just everything like that. I think that is up to us to help that get moving. Excellent. And then finally, what's your thoughts on free community cop? Obviously, since I'm a college student, I believe that that's a pretty good idea. Um, It's really hard (laughs) to afford college a lot of the time for people, even if you have, um, Like a lot of people do have, I guess, parents that have enough money, but it's pretty hard to put that strain on your parents and um, anyone can become in debt. And a lot of people still don't have their parents and people our age do not get paid enough to afford college on their own. And it's pretty hard to get enough money from FAFSA and stuff for actual college. Community college is different, but I just think that it's really expensive. Um, and that just deters a bunch of people from going to college or even trying, which is there's been less people going to college, especially since the pandemic, because the economy has gotten a lot worse and it's just a lot more hard to afford and even think about affording or trying to go that path. Awesome. Very good, Anna. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. You did an excellent job. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Harlan Community College student at the front end of her college career, important constitutional rights and an emerging adult voice on how to make America great. Until next time, keep living your best life. God bless and Godspeed.